The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Tuesday episode of Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, the illustrious. Right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy Underwood. How's it going, Tam? Hi. How's your mom? She's good. She got my present. She did. <laughs> she didn't understand it at first, but she got it. I'm sending you home with a note that says, put this on, I'll be over later. Mm, nope. I got her mom. In case you guys didn't pay attention to some previous ones before Christmas. Uh, it, well, it's a Catwoman outfit. It's got the tail, it's got the ears. And a choker. And a choker. Yeah, because she read it, she goes, cat, tail, ears, and choker? Why? And I had to explain her to her, and she goes, oh. <laughs> She's going to look hot in that. No. Meow. She got her hair tied purple again. Sweet, that's even hotter. She's my purple kitty. What if the curtain matches the drapes? Oh, or the, the carpet matches the drapes? Why are you making me want to throw up? Right <laughs> I'm just now? curious. That is so gross, Scott. Bring her over. I'm going to find this out. That is my mother. I don't want to think about that. I just want to find out. That's all. I hate you. Uh, <coughs> anyways. <laughs> so, when it comes to parents and their children, certain bonds are formed. We know that. Um, it's also not unusual for some children to form strong bonds with one parent over the other. However, what happens when that bond isn't healthy? Um, then they end up doing fucking like taboo porn. And uh, then I got to pass that shit on by. Like when, like seriously, like, I'm a weird guy. <laughs> I start watching taboo porn because I know that most of them are just two people that aren't oh, related. Yeah. But there's times that you're looking and going, dude, you two look too much alike. Pass because I'm... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, like, that's like That's kind of creepy. That's fucking creepy as shit. Yeah. That's so, creepier than Cher rubbing my butt and telling me that she likes me, too. <laughs> she was like, I pulled up this morning. Side note here. I pulled up this morning, and I was so tired. So I just sat in the car, and I kind of, like, had my head back with my eyes closed. And all of a sudden, I look up, and she's walking back in her house, which told me she came out and saw me. I'm actually going to start doing TikTok videos about my crazy-ass life. And this week was no different. Like when I pulled up on Friday, here she comes outside. <laughs> Demo. Now when I pulled up, she wasn't out. I know. I pulled in, she came out, right? And I'm, oh, here she comes. I think she stands by the window. So I opened up my door. Morning, Cheryl, because I got off pretty early. And she goes, I go, how are you? We're going to the mountains today. I said, oh, okay, that's great. She, and she grabs her jacket and zip it on. All I think is, please be wearing clothes. Please be wearing clothes. Please be wearing clothes. And she was, <laughs> thankfully. And she had this really um, ornate, colorful, elephant-type shirt on, which was awesome. It was a nice shirt. And she goes, I'm actually a coal miner. This is a great story. I'm actually a coal miner's daughter, but her dad raised us in a garbage dump. And I remember when my sister was born, and they brought her home and put her in the bassinet. And that's when I became part of the spirit world. It was a wicker bassinet. And we lived in a garbage dump. And ever since then, I've been in the spirit world. I'm like, what? That's, I just had to stop. And, and, and she goes... <laughs> Can I have a hit off your vape? I, go, I have a cigarette for you. Here you go. And I walked inside. So I have a good one. And she's like, okay, bye. And that story, because it jumps around so much, <laughs> has tickled me all weekend. <laughs> Dude, I went and worked out yesterday. I think that's why I'm so tired. That could be it. I should get my fat ass out there and work out. Yeah, my son and I went to the gym yesterday. I almost sprayed my ankle because I didn't see a step, but whatever. <laughs> 
Okay, so tell me about this. So, anyways, these people. so in the case of Sante and Kenny Kimes, it's believed that their bond at least bordered on incestuous if it wasn't a full-on relationship. Yeah. However, I knew I saw those names on Pornhub. Yeah. However, it seems that Kenny was just another one of his mother's pawns in her desperate bid to get rich and stay rich. Um, even so, I have an opinion as to the extent of Kenny's involvement. Perhaps you'll feel the same way after you hear their story. Can, dun, I, just dun, look, dun, can I just look it up on Pornhub? <laughs> no. Okay. So, anyways, Sante Kimes was born on July 24th, 1934, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, <laughs> to a Dutch... That explains absolutely everything. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> so, she, her mother was a... Her, her, she was born in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, to a Dutch mother, Mary Van Horn. I wonder if she's related to us. And <laughs> an East Indian father... Prama Mahendra Singers, S I N G H. Please do not be sleeping with our children. That is not right, Santi. That is not right at all. Okay. I knew you were going to alienate somebody. Do not be in my sleeping machine. Anywho. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry, East Indians. Actually, I know a lot of East Indian people, and you guys are pretty rocking. Yeah. Most of them are pretty fucking nice. So reports indicate that Prada had. And Mary met one day at the state fair in the early 20s, and it was a case of love at first sight. Um, at the time, Prama had settled in the United States by becoming a performing magician. Kind of like you. <laughs> I know. Oklahoma City says it all, right? It does, you know. Except that I don't make, like, rabbits disappear. I make the sausage disappear. Anywho. Ask your mom. Um, after he had already traveled the world. He and Mary were married within a matter of weeks. Much to the dismay and chagrin of her father, because Mary's father was a Presbyterian minister who detested the fact that his daughter was marrying an Indian man. Um, once Mary... Where the fuck does Santi come into this? You're going to... I thought Kenny was the son. Okay, we're talking about Sante, the mother, and this is her family. This is her growing up right now. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's what I... I missed all that for some fucking I said her parents were Mary and... Yeah. Okay, yeah, you probably did, but, you know, I'm over here. What the fuck are you I'm doing over there? Did dropping you, shit. Are you destroying equipment over there? Is that My what you're doing? My puffer. Oh, that's different. Okay, no, destroy that all destroy you want. Destroy it all you want. Fucking dick. Anyways, so um, once Mary and Prama were married, they moved to a farm in Oklahoma City where they quickly started having a family. Now, um... Of magicians. Magicians. Their first child was their one and only boy. His name was Kareem. And after him, they had three daughters, Paime, Sante, and Retha. Only one of those names is actually normal. Retha? I see that. R-E-T-H-A, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The other two, you got Sante and you have what, Parmesan? Was that her name? Paime, P-A-I-M-E, yeah, that's and Kareem. Yeah, that's not right. So... Anyways, in 1940, Sante's father died of heart disease. Damn, my... I guess he couldn't pull a heart attack out of the hat. I Is guess that what not. Happened? Thereby leaving Mary to take care of all four children on her own. Now, to support the family, Mary started <laughs> cleaning houses and taking in laundry while the two oldest children looked after the younger two. It was no secret that Sante idolized her brother and he lavished her with affection. Are you talking to your dog? Okay. Here's what was just now happening. 
She's over there, and she's licking where she shouldn't be licking. And I look at her, and then she looks up, and she looks me dead in the eyes like this. And then licks again. And keeps going, like, what the fuck are you going to do about a fat man? You're behind the mic right now, uh, you know, so you can piss off. I'll do what I want. And there she goes again. Shock collar. She's just licking the couch. I know. Tell me if he, his balls didn't sweat there, you wouldn't be licking there. Oh, you're so gross. Do you know how much <laughs> that couch is not exactly cheap? It looks like it now because she's torn some shit up. I, I have known you for almost a year now, and I have hardly been able to get off that couch ever since the day I met you. It sinks so low. Shouldn't. It does now because of a certain person that lives with me. It did when I first kind of met you, too. No, it's fine when you met me. Was it? Yeah, it's fine. Oh. It's only recently. Anywho. Drop a ton of teenager on that fucking thing. <laughs> 2,000 pounds a person. <laughs> and then my big ass son went the other day. <laughs> That's okay. I'm buying a forklift. <laughs> For my son or yours? <laughs> For all of y'all. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> You know what? You ain't exactly skinny either, bitch. I'm trying to buy myself a crane. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, the other siblings suspected that the two of them were doing inappropriate things with one another. The fact that Sante frequently sat on his on Cream's lap and he was seen touching her inappropriately helped feed their suspicions. <laughs> hey, little sister, yeah. come into my room. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I just, I don't know. <laughs> So, Cream was also known to have a very explosive temper, and Mary was unable to discipline him after her husband had passed away. Probably because every time he got spanked, he was looking uh, back over his shoulder going, harder. Grab the ball gag. Retha, the youngest, remembers the time Kareem hit their mother in the face hard enough to draw blood. And then he stole her money and wedding ring right before he ran away for good. He oh, didn't even shit. bother to say goodbye to Sante. Okay, all jokes aside, Kareem, that's a fucking dick move, dude. Total fucking dick move. What the fuck happened? Oh, I have a whole page empty here. Okay, there we go. Not long after that, Prime, Prime, I don't know, P-R-A-I-M-E, the other one, ran away from home as well. They said her name was like Pine Tree or something. I think it's pine. I think I have an R in there. I think it's piney. Yeah, I think that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I have cream an R pie-me. in there when it shouldn't be. My bad. Oh my god, they should have made her first name cream. Cream pie. Cream pie. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> she ran away from home as well. That left Sante at home to take care of her younger sister while their mother was working. It was around that same time that her that Sante's aggressive and sadistic side reared its ugly head. For instance, Sante would burn her little sister with matches, and when the younger girl cried, she laughed with joy. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Yeah, and she didn't reserve her torture for her sister either, as she was was known to torture the farm animals as well. Um, When the goats were tied up, she would stick hat pins in their hindquarters to inflict pain. And when she was able to catch one of the dogs, because apparently they ran from her, I would too. Yeah, think she would take, she would stick a clothespin to their nose or their genitals, Jesus. and she seemed to take great pleasure in hurting other people and animals. Right. Santi, you are a sick, sick cunt. She's yeah. not even a sugar tits. She gets my C award. She gets your C award. So at school, she was ostracized due to her ethnicity. None of the other children wanted to be friends with an Indian. Um, Until they wanted to go to 7-Eleven. 
this is before 7-Eleven. <laughs> Sometime in the mid-40s, the authorities stepped in and made the decision that Santi and her sister were being neglected by their mother. After that, they were both removed from the home. Hey, like, Keep that mouth open. I had a yawn. <laughs> they were taken from their mother and put into a girl's home. Uh, this left their mother in hysterics, so she made plans to pick them up for a visit. However, she never returned them to the facility. Instead, she drove them to California, where they stayed. Uh, dang. I wonder if they were listening to uh, Led Zeppelin going to California. Going to California with me. Don't know that song? Dude, it was a popular Led Zeppelin song, Going to California. I don't remember that one. I remember Hotel California, the Eagles. the Eagles. I remember... Um, Give me through, give me three steps, give That's me three Skinner. steps, Mister. Yeah, and then um, Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, that's another Skinner song. You're not even close to the Led Zeppelin. Probably not. Okay, how about the song Cashmere? Nope. Stairway to Heaven. Oh my God! Everybody knows Stairway to Heaven. That's the forbidden song. In to the God of Davida, which was supposed to be that's, in the Garden of Eden, but he was too fucking Iron drunk. Butterfly. But he was too drunk, so it came out into God of Javita. Uh, hey, no, that, that that checks out. I've done that shit when I've been writing. Yeah. Then you sober. didn't know that that he. No, I knew that. Oh. Yeah, but then I sober up and I fucking read what I've written and I go, "The fuck does that even mean? That's not even a word. <laughs> <laughs> That's just some symbols and. That's it's... just some gobbledygook. But hey, is that a pizza stand selling millions? So. <laughs> uh, you know what the stupid thing is? Like, seriously, I have actually uh, finished up projects that well, I've been just drunk as fuck. And submitted them? I was on a time crunch and going, okay, they're going to they're gonna kick it back, and I know this. And but that, that's going to give me another two weeks. And I get a call. Dude, this is a masterpiece. This is freaking awesome. I'm all, of course it is. Worked hard on it. And I'm thinking, are you guys all on drugs? Is that what it is? <laughs> All of you people, are you listening and reading what I've written because you guys are all high? (laughs) That's fucking stupid as shit what I sent you. (laughs) So what I'm hearing you say is sometimes you put things off to the last minute in a time crunch. You submit what you have thinking, hey, that'll give me two more weeks. Yeah. No, I do. (laughs) I do. I have a bad habit of taking on more than I can, like, biting up more than I can Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that considering you heap it all on me now. Not all of it. I got researchers, didn't I? You did. And you know what? It's been amazing. I know. I just wish my researcher would. Well, she's getting better. I want her to format it like like Laura does. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, and then we'll get back on track. So, <laughs> trying to sleep last night. And then wake up. How do you know I, how my researcher formats it? Because I've, I've read her shit. Oh. Well, I, by accident, I, I clicked on Who the fuck is this? Oh, that's not one of mine. So I get up and I grab my phone. I got to pee. I'm looking at the time. It says, I got a Facebook request. Come on. Who the fuck is this fucking woman? God, what the fuck? Take a piss. I'm still groggy as shit. I get to looking closer. Two mutual friends. What the fuck is that? Oh, shit. It's Laura. (laughs) Oh, I I like her. Because, you know, I I get like a lot of spam. Yeah, you know, me too. A lot of ones that go like, you have zero friends in common. Then you go read their thing. It's all, it's a chick like half fucking naked. It's like, you're, 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 you're catfishing. That's what the hell you're yeah. doing. Fuck off. But yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, fuck it. 
I'm like, I'm all blurry eyed and shit, you know? And then I got a little glimpse of the face, like, right up in one eye like that. <laughs> you chisel the sleep. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, fuck, that's Laura. Okay, cool. No, I like her. She's cool. Yeah. No, she does format them really good. I wish she'd break them up into paragraphs, but I, I, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she does it all on her phone. That's why. Uh, she might she might need a laptop, too. Yeah. We got to put Jeez. that in the budget meeting now. Great. So, anyways. Um, doo, 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 oh, here we go. When Sante and her family moved to California, they settled into an apartment located above a factory in a seedy area of Los Angeles. Apparently, all of Los Angeles is seedy. <laughs> I've never been. I've only been to LAX. Oh, my God. You know what? Honestly, we need to fucking take a trip because you I got to show me you. That, but... I got to show you motherfuckers like L.A. because I've. I've God, I've spent so much fucking time in L.A. when I was flying all the time. Uh, L.A. is a fucking sad. I point. think I think I I ran into the um, lead actor from Lost at the L.A. airport one time. I've watched Lost precisely three times. Oh, but no, the lead white guy, not Daniel Day Kim, because I would have been all over him. He is a hot Asian dude. Hot Asian. Well, I don't look at hot Asian he's dudes. He's Chin Ho Kelly from Hawaii Five O. Hey, he's got the name Ho in him, though. I know how he's making some money. Anyway, go ahead. Anywho. Anyways. Oh, side note. At a gas station in California one time, I did meet the guitar player for Metallica. Oh, shit. Yeah. It God was, damn. Yeah, it was a chance meeting. We were at a gas station, and I go, I'm getting my gas, and all of a sudden I look over, I go, he looks like, and I just happened to, like, glance up, and, I, and he said hi to me and everything, and I go, hi. I said, do you know you look like? He goes, I am. I go, Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Let me just carry yeah, on. Kirk, Kirk Hamlin. Yeah. He's a, he's a decent guitar player, man. Yeah. I got I got some respect for him. I was on a flight with the lead singer of Everclear, and I can never remember what his fucking name is offhand. Um, they haven't been around for a little while. No, but, uh, I keep thinking Eddie Vedder, but that's Pearl no, Jam. No, that's Pearl Jam. Yeah. Um, and uh, I a decent guy, man. It was, uh, you know, had like about a 15-minute conversation and kept flying. And then he had a problem because we were flying into Vegas, and then he had a flight. Uh, from a connector from Vegas to LA, mm-hmm. and then he was bitching about his ticket to the stewardess, you know, going, "Hey, no, it's supposed to be a connector flight." Da da da. da. I said, "Okay, well, time for me to go. We ain't gonna chit chat." <laughs> yeah, no. I also met Roddy Roddy Piper, but he was hot, dude. Roddy Roddy Piper was an amazing man. That's what I've heard. Like everybody, he was I very know. nice. I mean, he was very into the community because he lived in Hillsborough. Yeah, yeah. He lived, actually lived in Bald Peak area, and he was very into, like, community activities and supporting his son's Little League. And I was working at 7-Eleven, and he came in, and that's back when I was, like, barely out of, you know, in my early 20s. I go, oh, my God, you're, he goes, yes, I am. And it's like, <laughs> he'd come in every weekend, and we just chat away, and I have his autograph no, holy on shit. his butt. But I, I've always heard from everybody who's met Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. He's uh, an when amazing. He was alive. Man. He was yeah. just an amazing, very nice, compact, very super, super, mm-hmm. super, super nice guy. Super nice guy. And you know, me being in the entertainment field, the, some of the people that I meet come off as really nice, and then oh, you kind of no. get to he know. He was him. genuine. Yeah, and then you start looking around, going, uh, "You're a fucking dick." That's what the fuck. Yeah, you no, are. he was genuinely very nice. Because <laughs> when his dad passed away, he was uh, slated to do a charity photo shoot. For the radio station in town. And his dad passed away. And so he wouldn't be able to make it to the scheduled photo shoot. But he called up the radio station and said, look, I promise you I'd do this. I'm going to do it. Meet me at the airport on my way uh, before I fly out. And we'll do it right there in the garage. And they did. Oh, sweet. Because he was like, I made made an obligation. I'm going to follow through. 
See, so. we get off on little rabbit trails, and it's all because of me. But in another side note, I've told you this. I've, I've, I've finished off fucking music projects and finished scoring shit like while I've been on the toilet. <laughs> so yeah. and it's, it's a bizarre thing in retrospect because I've gotten so many compliments when I've finished stuff on the toilet or under a time crunch where I've looked at it and go, this is absolutely garbage, but I'm going to buy me some time, you know? And they, Dude, this is like a masterpiece. I mean, this is just amazing. I'm like, um. I took a dump. I was pooping. <laughs> and like not even a solid one. I was sick. <laughs> but hey, you guys want to pay me for it. Fucking yeah. fantastic. So anyways, apparently the owner of the factory felt bad for them. So he allowed them to live in the apartment for free. And despite the change of scenery, Sante's violent behavior didn't lessen at all. Um, every day, Sante would fly into two to three rages. Usually when she didn't get something she wanted, therefore in order to avoid the wrath, her mother would always just give in to her demands. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hold on. Let's talk serious here. That is two things. Number one, that's behavioral conditioning 100%. Oh, yeah. But also she's going through manic phases so oh, yeah it's, it's depression but so everything's depression is that you just got the blues like oh no I'm sad all the time and if that was the case i wouldn't be on medication because yeah i got the blues and get sad a lot but you fly into fits of rage you have the rhythm and the blues i got the rhythm and the blues baby <laughs> um <laughs> pick up a guitar and start playing the fucking uh three bar blues 12 bar blues yeah but um so is depression there? And what what year is this? Like what? Forties, uh, fifties. Mm. So they didn't even really. I don't even think they knew about St. John's Wort then. Much less. It was in the forties because that's when they moved to California. Yeah. Okay. So there's not like a lot of antidepressants yeah, and shit like no. that. But that's that's a very atypical of of depression, and uh, and and going through a manic phase. Yeah. And plus, like I said, behavioral conditioning one hundred percent because uh, you can manage that. With better life skills. Right. And obviously her mom didn't do that. The, she took the path of least resistance. It's like, okay, well, Santi's being a twat, so I'm going to get her whatever she wants because that's going to stop it. But that's Yeah, I've just, seen that a lot. That just perpetuates the, 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 the behavior. Yeah. That's all that does. It's a, because hey, then they realize, because th- when they don't get what they want from others, they just act out thinking exactly, that's all it's going to take. Exactly, yeah. because that is the end result that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of sometimes, I think that mama should have <laughs> taken. whooped her ass? Yeah, yeah she should have taken her, her little Indian foot and planted it firmly. <laughs> she was a Dutch. Fine, she should have taken her fucking wooden clog. <laughs> I was going to say her little wooden shoe. <laughs> and planted it firmly in Santi's ass. Yeah. And said, Look, twat waffle, that shit's not fucking happening. Yeah, I got enough. I got nine nine problems, and bitch, you ain't gonna be one. <laughs> so, a part, of, you know, for as much as you don't like rap, you sure do quote that. No, 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 that that one there, <laughs> that Jay Z song a lot. I didn't even know it was Jay Z. Oh, uh, really? No, there, there's a. Uh, God damn! I just had his name in my head. I heard it from a horror movie. But it was Sang. Oh. Yeah, and I, I have to look him up. But um, you're thinking of a rap version. And this one here was more of a bluesy. So instead of rap, and he was like, you know, um, what was it? Uh, if you haven't got problems, I feel bad for your son. Got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. It was like That's that. That's Jay-Z. I know. But it was Sang. And I cannot remember the Fucking guys! I saw it on. I want to say it was Fright Night, the remake of Fright Night. Oh, the one with uh, Colin 
Um, yeah. Farrell? Yeah, yeah. I love Colin Farrell. Um, that is where I, I heard it. So I had to, I, it took me forever to find it because this is an awesome song. I didn't even know it was a Jay-Z song until you said, dude, why are you quoting a rap song? I'm a playing a rap song, you fucking twat. What the hell are you thinking about? It is. And apparently it is. I was very wrong. Yeah, Jay-Z, 99 problems and a bitch ain't one. So, approximately one year after moving to L.A., Sante befriended a couple from Studio City who owned a soda shop and movie theater. The couple felt that Sante was very charming and needed a stable home life that she wasn't getting from her mother. That's when they decided to introduce her to the woman's sister and brother-in-law, Mary and Ed Chambers. Now, these Mary and Ed Chambers were from Carson City, Nevada. According to reports, the Chambers asked Sante's mother if they could adopt the girl. Hugo is his name. I don't know him. It's like this. I'll send it to you. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss this okay. later. Fuck it. Okay. So um, they asked Sante's mother if they could adopt her, and Sante's mother didn't even hesitate before she said, Take her. Take her <laughs> now. Too. And according to Retha, the youngest daughter, she and her mother were so happy to be rid of Sante, they danced when she was gone. Well, you know, here's the thing. Is Sante's They probably mom, did the organ happy dance. <laughs> that The Dutch twat, her name is Mary, her mom, is just as much to blame. Yeah. Because she fed into the behavior. Yeah, she enabled it. Yeah, totally. And uh, boys and girls, if you're out there and you're enabling your child's bad behavior... And they end up being some horrible person. You are the one to fucking blame. I hate to be the bearer of bad news to that. I'm trying not to be a dick when it comes to that. But that's a fucking fact. Yeah. Quit enabling your little fucking curtain climbing crotch goblins to have bad behaviors. We went out to eat last night. (laughs) I'm looking at you right now and it just dawned on me. We went out to eat last night and this guy at a table across from us was like bald, goatee. And everything, my son looks at me, he goes, Mom, Scott's here. And I go, no, I saw him when I first came in, and I did a double take, too. It's not him. <laughs> because this guy had, like, a huge tattoo on the back of his head. But Yeah, no, I'll, I'll never tattoo my face or my head. The rest of my body is fine. I, Why not your face or head? No. I, because it got to look professional. And I don't care who you are. I think, honestly, the, art, the, the, the musicians that feel the need to tattoo their face and their head, I don't care who the fuck you are. Like that Post looks, Malone. Yeah, that looks so No, Post stupid. Malone, there's like no rhyme or reason to his tattoos. None. It's like they're just there. Yeah, and that, that's another big thing for me is every tattoo that I have. Has a story. It has a story behind it. I still want to know what that one on your arm means. Some stories I don't tell anybody. Why not? You tell me everything. Except I'm not going to tell you the story behind that tattoo. You and I tell each other everything. Except for that tattoo. It's a special tattoo. That's not fair. Very special tattoo. Anyway. Tell me more about this. Anyways. Plot. Okay. So, and Santa was 12 years old when she moved to Carson City and in with the Chambers in 1947. Ed was employed with the Army National Guard running maintenance equipment and Mary was a bookkeeper. The two also had a seven-year-old son named Howard who they had also adopted. I cannot stop yawning today. So the Chambers were very affluent family and highly regarded members of the community. If there was a high-profile event... They were there. Sante embraced her new life, even changing her name to Sandy Chambers for a while. She used white powder to cover her olive complexion and always dressed in the latest fashions. I never can understand why darker skinned women want to be white. Because seriously, I know I would love to have an olive complexion. My son has a gorgeous complexion. I love 
the skin on darker women. I got to yeah. admit that. I'm not talking like pitch black because that just doesn't, it's nothing against that. It's just, yeah, it just no. doesn't get from Nice olive complexion, Latinas, things like that, Asians. Oh my God, he has Asians. <laughs> See, my son has a really, and thank God he got my complexion so he didn't have like, he wasn't acne prone. Thank God. Next time I'm with an Asian, though, I do want to look over his shoulder and go, how much signal do I need? Oh, good luck, everybody else. I wanted to say that. <laughs> uh, that would be the ultimate. You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be as untouched as an Asian woman's winker. <laughs> That's fucked up. I know. Um, let's see here. Santa had gone from rags to riches. Her own room. Damn, fighter jet. Her own things and friends galore. She was beautiful and popular, but once again, none of that stopped her destructive behavior, including being cruel to other kids at school. One childhood, quote, friend by the name of Virgil Bucchianari, B-U-C-H-I-A-N-E-R-I. See, I wouldn't have him as an attorney either. I need names I can pronounce when I'm drunk. <laughs> And being arrested. <laughs> Call my attorney. <laughs> What's his name? Vern <sighs> Omelet maker? I have something like that. <laughs> so he, um, hang on. He recalls Sante and some other kids holding him down, removing his shoes and socks, then placing a match between his bare toes before lighting it. He said that his crying is what intrigued Sante more than giving him a hot foot. Wait a minute, doesn't, don't, don't the Indian people fucking walk on hot coals and shit? I guess, what are you doing? Uh, apple, oh. apple pie. Oh, oh, you're still waiting on your fluid? Yes. Are you like totally out, out? Yeah, I'm out, out. Oh, good thing I didn't steal that one, huh? I want, I want to try the new fluid. I can't find the fluid that I like because, you know, God forbid. I don't know. So in the fall of 1947, Sansa entered eighth grade and made friends with an easygoing classmate named Ruth Tom. Wherever Sante was, Ruth would follow. They would steal cheerleading uniforms and try to beat the real cheerleaders to the game before they could get there and run out to cheer first. And Sante already enjoyed the thrill of playing the system and people. Okay, now that would actually be super funny. That would be funny. I would fuck with like football players if I could do that. Yeah. Like seriously. I mean, I'm a we dick pull pranks like that all the time in school. Yeah, now that, I can't even hold that against them. Guys, that, Sante, that's, that's actually pretty fucking funny. Yeah. So in 1948... 14-year-old Sante entered Carson High School with the trouble that was that always came with her. In 1950, she was arrested for stealing a lipstick from Carson City Department Store, even though she had the money to pay for it. The case was later dismissed, which I have seen that happen. Mm -hmm. They try to do things just to see if they can get away with it. That's and then the some kleptomaniacs, they can't control it. But that's part of the behavioral conditioning that came from her mother. Mm -hmm. Her mom gave her everything she wanted. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's all at the aftermath of that behavioral conditioning. And right. And nipping that shit in the bud. Yeah. So, um, Sante graduated in 1952 and moved back to California with her friend Ruth. Not long after, she caught the eye of a mild-mannered college senior named Lee Powers. Sure, it wasn't Clark Kent? Yes. A Daily Reporter for the yes. Metropolitan Newspaper? Yes, I noticed I didn't say Lee Majors. I know. That's a, that'd be my name. He was a $6 million man. Did yeah. they rebuild him bigger, stronger, and faster? And that... love that show. I know, me too. And the Bionic Woman. Yeah, yeah not, the Bionic Woman was okay, but the Bionic Man oh, yeah. was awesome. Actually, he was $6 million man. Uh, yeah, I keep And back that. then, $6 million was a lot of money. 
That well, you know, uh, that joke is also made in the Austin Power movies when he goes one million dollars, and now you know, like uh, the there are people that look at the six million dollar mark and go, "You're gonna, you can't do anything with that. You're not rebuilding a fucking person with six million dollars, there, homie." Yeah, Scott. We all know. I didn't mean me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> To say, man, six million, you can't do shit with. Yeah. As far as like rebuild a whole person. Yeah, but back honest. in the 70s, you could. Well, fucking in the 70s, man, you could have probably bought all of LA for <laughs> six million bucks. Oh, and Vegas. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm getting like Bugsy Siegel. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Uh, they dated for a year until Lee graduated and enlisted in the Army, and Sante wanted to get married, so she faked a pregnancy to trap him. I tried that once. You tried to fake being pregnant? I did. The girl I was seeing said, no, it's not mine. I said, okay, fine. <laughs> so Turned out it was a food baby. Whatever. I was May, a bathroom trip away from so that, that comfort. On May 9th, 1956, they got married. Uh, when Lee eventually noticed there was no pregnancy, he never confronted Sante. She quickly lost interest in her life as a housewife and was upset that her husband didn't earn more money. After one year of marriage, she left him. Now, I'm seeing a pattern already because remember, she came from poor. Yep. And then she was adopted into rich. Yep. Okay. See the pattern here? No, I I totally see the pattern. Okay. So now, 23-year-old Sante wasted no time in contacting an old friend, an old high school boyfriend by the name of Ed Walker. Now, she has no imagination. You'll find this out in a minute. On November 9th, 1957, just six months after her last marriage ended, Ed and Sante got married. There's a shocker. Yeah. So Ed was a general contractor building houses in Sacramento. There you go. They were doing well financially, but that wasn't enough for Sante. In December of 1960, one of the houses Ed had built caught fire. He chalked it up to faulty wiring and collected the insurance money. Fair enough. Mm Mm-hmm. That happens. I mean, shit. You know, shit but he happens. did start to notice that his wife was acting rather <laughs> suspicious. Sandy had changed her name back to Sante and was again arrested for shoplifting. Ed provided a comfortable lifestyle, but she wanted more. Over the years, more houses burned down and more insurance money was collected. Sante started having affairs with Ed's wealthy business partners. Using her sexuality as a tool, it was during this time that Sante became pregnant and gave birth to her son, Kent Walker on September 20 on September 27, 1962. Hang on, I need to fix that real quick. Apparently. <coughs> okay. Sante loved being a mother, but as always, nothing would deter her behavior. Over the next five years, several more houses burned down, and Sante made sure she was there to personally collect the insurance money. <laughs> I saw that yeah. one coming. By 1967, Sante was getting restless and bored with Ed. That's when she chose to kick him out of and file for divorce. This time, she set out to marry a millionaire. Kent recalls his mother always telling him to marry for money, never for love or looks. See? Now I know where the very first Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire show came from. Right here. It's Sante. Yeah. Or. Damn it. There we go. Now, Sante took Kent and moved to Palm Springs. Uh, she got breast implants and started um, wearing large black wigs, trading on the fact that so many people told her that she looked like Elizabeth Taylor. 
Hmm. Now, Sanche read about a divorced real estate developer in Millionaire Magazine, go figure, named Kenneth Kimes, and she set her sights on him and his estimated $20 million. Now, Kenneth Kimes was 17 years older than her and already had two children from a previous marriage. Um, he guarded... Damn it. He guarded his money closely, but was an alcoholic, making him easy prey. Sante threw herself at him for a year, and in 1971, she and Kent finally moved into Kimes' Newport Beach house, and the pair dined at expensive restaurants and attended A-list parties, even then they were not invited. Now, one night, Kent, her son, recalls, they got all dressed, but had nowhere to go. Sante had heard about a big party at a place called the Blair House. That night, the party was in honor of Vice President Ford. Now, Sante got herself and Kimes past Secret Service and ended up giving, getting a picture with Vice President Ford and his wife, Betty, before they were caught and kicked out. <laughs> well, at least they accomplished something. Yeah, exactly. You know, like wedding crashers. <laughs> After four years, Kimes still hadn't married Sante, and his friends said he never would because he was afraid she would take all of his money and he wanted that he had wanted will to his children. See? Smart man. Smart yeah. man. So Sante got pregnant to try to control him. Now, this is where she has no imagination, okay? She marries this guy, has a child, names him Kent. Okay. Okay? Marries a guy named Kenneth. Okay? Yeah. Now, on March 24th, 1975, that's right around my birthday, Kenneth Kareem Kimes was born. So she has another Jesus kid named him Kenneth. Kenneth God and Kent. Damn. Go figure. It's like, dude, get some imagination, right? No kidding, Like man. fucking George Foreman. All his children named George, including the daughter. Yeah, I'd, I'd bang a chick named George. Because that, that'd be interesting. You know what? I would, too. <laughs> I do like them after Scott. That's awesome. Anyways. She's just like a licky-loo. <laughs> she's had her flea mats, too. That's what gets me but she's not doing it and biting. It's like it's licking. My my dog licks my couch and floor all the time. My she Jethro. She's chewing on her back foot. She might be. I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could chew on my feet. You wish you could lick your own balls, too. But Hell no. Have you smelled this? <laughs> no, dude. As far as I've smelled your balls before, but then I didn't want to go there. <laughs> After a sweaty day, I like to have Squatch chew on balls. <laughs> You're fucking disgusting. A little bit of soup in the afternoon. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Travel down that road, motherfucker. I regret saying what I said. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Kenny was Sante's little prince. The family moved to Hawaii where they lived. It, dang it. I am so tired. In one beautiful house after another, Sante decided she wanted domestic help around the homes. And I swear to God, if you say anything during this next part, I will come across his desk in Tokyo. I just perked up. Go I know. It. She wanted domestic help around the homes, so she started visiting Mexico and luring young women to come live with her by telling them they would make lots of money. What's wrong with that? They're Mexicans. That's what they're designed but for. But once they were in the United States, she paid them nothing and kept them as slaves in her home. Not and? even allowing them to leave the house without her. She threatened them with calling immigration and reporting them if they tried to leave. Oh, my God. She's you. That's what I say to, to Maritza, my first ex-wife, all the time that I'm ever deported. I know. 
Oh, poor That's our woman. running joke, even though she was born in L.A. <laughs> poor woman. I love her. <laughs> I do, too. Maritza's awesome. Yeah. She was very physically abusive, as well as mentally abusive to the maids. Santa used an iron on one of them and beat another one with hangers. No more wire hangers. Anyways. Sante believed that, that some like Friday pe- night to me, but okay, <laughs> fine. She Sante actually believed that some people are born to be served, and some are born to serve. A lesson she imparted on both of her sons. Scott just did the rock on. Yeah. <laughs> Amid all of this abuse, Sante showered Kenny with affection and truly believed that he could do no harm. He was homeschooled by tutors and rarely saw other children, and his tutors found him very outgoing and charming. One tutor observed, though, that Kenny had a problem with lying, and so she told him the story of the boy who cried wolf. When he cheerfully told his parents about the story, Sante was furious i mean it's not like she punished him she just told him a fable yeah no, no exactly you know? I'm, I'm picking up i hear you chirping big yeah bird. so she grabbed the tutor by the arm dragged her into one of the bedrooms pushed her onto the bed and with both with both hands and in no under, uncertain terms told the tutor that no one but she was going to teach kenny about when it was okay to lie and when to tell the truth i went way different than i thought it was than being in the bedroom and her pushing her on a bed way different <laughs> In 1979, 69, what? Oh, 79. 79. Oh, sorry. Sante and Kenneth returned with Kenny to the mainland, buying a home in an affluent area of Las Vegas. Kent was 17 years old and opted to stay in Hawaii, though, because he was tired of dealing with his mother. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I can't blame the kid. Yeah. Her first, by the time the authorities had been, re- by this time, the authorities had started receiving complaints about Sante and her maids, but they, had done nothing about it. Um, damn it. How did that? You're just having a day, I aren't am, you? I am. I am. I'm telling you, I'm tired. I'm, ex- I'm so exhausted. Huh, you need an energy drink? I've got like, I bought like a 12 no, but you pack have of in- You have sugar-free ones. Well, duh, I'm diabetic. I can't drink the sugared ones. They'll kill me. Do you have a flavored one that's not the nasty taurine flavored aftertaste? I freaking look. Okay. Probably not, but fucking, I'll get one for you. Anyway, just... Just drink the motherfucking thing. Yes, sir. Jesus Christ, man. There's always something with lesbians. I told you I was a thespian. Yeah, a lesbian. No, I get it. <laughs> Much like the vegans, you don't have to brag about your, your orientation. I'm a bit like like the old joke, how can you tell if someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> You're so stupid. Now, um, However, in the summer of 1985, one of the maids escaped and contacted the FBI for help. Santi and Kenneth were arrested weeks later and charged with involuntary servitude. Kenneth agreed to plea bargain, saying that he knew about the maids but did nothing, meaning he would only receive probation. Santi was advised to plead guilty, and in 1986, the 52-year-old was sentenced to five years in prison. Now, this was a huge shock to 10-year-old Kenny, being that his mother was his whole world. Oh, no, you killed Kenny, you bastards. <laughs> Shut up, you fool. Is that the only flavor you have? Oh, no, this will work, I guess. So it's gold? White gold? If it's white, you know it's all right. <laughs> Shut up. Let's see if I can chug. Ow! Chug it. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself there, Skippy. Anyways, um, 
Life changed dramatically after that for Kenny. His father did not rehire his tutors, and Kenny attended public school for the first time in his life at 12 years old. Kenny started seventh grade at St. Viatar, an elite Catholic school in Paradise, Nevada. That's actually decent. What? The energy drink? Yeah. Okay. I'll try it. Nah. You look like a frog trying to catch a goddamn fly. It had this weird taste to it. Did you get that bug out of the air? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off. Go for it, Kermit. So anyways, Kenny school fans remember him as an outgoing, easygoing, very sociable, and lovable. Acceptance by the popular kids was very important to Kenny. His father indulged him, and soon the Kimes house became the popular place to hang out for the neighborhood boys. His social and academic life was going well, and he did visit Sante on monthly visits to the prison. He sounds like me. Sociable, lovable, nice. That's me. Wait until you find out what he did. Oh, wait, it is you. Just kidding. Fabulous. No, Kenny had grown much closer to his father now, who was by now in his 70s, and he truly had the perfect relationship with his father while Sante was in prison. Kent, Kenny's half-brother, who was married and had a child at this point, says that Kenneth was just as bad of an influence on Kenny as Sante was. Kenneth was paranoid after being on the run for so long that he had taught Kenny not to trust anyone, including his own mother. Yeah, justifiably so, man. His mom's a fucking lunatic. So in 1989, Sante was paroled after only serving three years. Being in prison had only made her more angry and dangerous. She vowed never to get caught again. Kenny was dreading his mother's return. His father had been his biggest ally and now stood back and let Sante call all the shots again. You know, it's like a whoop man. Tell you what, he should have put his foot in her ass. Probably should have. Fucking fucking his twenty million dollar foot. God god dang right, man. Fucking kick her right in the twat. In her twat waffle? In her twat waffle. Separate that thing like it's like it's a like a broken ego. You know, that's actually not bad for being sugar free. Yeah. I don't like usually like sugar free anything. Here's here's the reason why. Because if I drink the sugared ones, they work all of an hour. And then you have that sugar crash. And then I got to pull over and I got to, you know, I got to stop. I got to take like a a 10 hour nap because my blood sugar. And a five hour pee. (laughs) (laughs) And a five hour pee because my blood sugar is so high. I got to start going, calling my doctor going, I really need insulin. (laughs) Yeah. So um, let's see. During Sante's absence, Kenny had grown into an independent teenager and Sante did not like this new side of her son. So she made him transfer schools and wouldn't let him see or talk to any of his friends again. <coughs> I'm having a hard day. She had to get back in so control. <coughs> Stop. <coughs> no, I swallowed down the wrong pipe. <laughs> up. I hate you both. Good times. <laughs> I'm good. Um, she served all. She severed all ties with his friends, and she w- and he was actually very resentful of that. Soon the family started moving from house to house again, just like they had before Sante's arrest, and this affected 16-year-old Kenny badly, and he became aggressive and began to act out violently. According to Kent, Kenny also plotted to kill his mother. Kent had to physically pull Kenny off of Sante as he was trying to strangle her once. She probably probably liked it. She's probably into that, so, I mean, just saying. Yeah, Jesus Christ, are you going to live? Hmm. I took a drink and then it kind of went down the wrong. 
I want to say whole, but that's not really what I want to say. You know the energy drink goes in your mouth, not any other hole. Uh, whatever you do it over there. It melts in my mouth, not in my hands. That's just, you need some Jesus going on. It's what you need if you're putting it in other places other than your mouth. Anyways, so... In 1993, Kenny graduated high school and enrolled at the University of California in Santa Barbara. I was going to say Santa Barbara, but Santa Barbara. Things seemed to be going well for 18-year-old Kenny, but near the end of his freshman year, his life turned upside down again. On March 28, 1994, Kenneth Kimes died of an aneurysm when he was 74 years old. So Kenny dropped out of college, moved back in with his mother, and once again became her pawn. Mother and son decided to pursue a business selling Cuban cigars over the internet. One of this is back when they were illegal. Is, well, I, this is that the was the thing. embargo. Yes, yeah, I say well, they were illegal then. That's yeah. okay. Well, fucking party on. Yeah, one of Kenny's acquaintances recalls Kenny talking about the trips to Cuba and how much he loved the seedy back alley deals. Kenneth had willed all of his money to his previous children, leaving six-year-old Sante and nineteen-year-old Kenny in serious need of cash infusion. So he completely cut them out. But he indulged them while he was alive. But I understand why. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't want Santi to get a hold of the cash, man, because she's, she's greedy and she's a freaking lunatic. Totally. Totally. So um, Santi wouldn't live in poverty again. She needed a plan and a partner. In September of 1996, the pair went to the Bahamas, to the Bahamas in order to try to withdraw money from one of Kenneth's offshore accounts. There... They were met with a bank auditor who was on to them. He was seen having dinner with Sante and Kenny and then never seen again. By the time authorities started looking for them, they were gone, um, having left without a dime. Uh, Sante was desperate at this point to make money. So on January 31st, 1998, a two-alarm fire broke out at their home. Investigators soon learned that the deed to the house had been transferred to an acquaintance of the Kimes, a Las Vegas property holder by the name of David Kasdan. Apparently, Sante took out a loan on the house in Kazan's name. Kazan then gets a payment book in the mail from the bank, letting him know that he owed $280,000 on a house he didn't even know he owned. Holy shit. Kazan, who lived in California, called Sante to complain about the situation. They agreed to meet at a restaurant in Los Angeles so Sante could smooth things over. And shortly thereafter, his body was found in a dumpster at LAX LAX, on March 14, 1998. Police suspected Sante and Kenny, but lacked the evidence to make an arrest. He tripped and fell. <laughs> Into the dumpster. Exactly. Yeah. See, you keep picking on poor guys, man. We had Maxim. You're all up uh, up in arms about him taking a little bit of tea and coffee. That was yesterday. I wasn't up in arms. I was confused. No, you had that look on your face like, oh, my God, what a pig. He stole tea and coffee. No, I had that look on my face that why the fuck would a man steal tea and coffee? And I explained exactly why, man. Get up off my boy, Maxim. What? Is he carrying a gallon of milk? Oh, I was like, is he taking the whole gallon of milk into the bedroom with him? I'm going to start a whole podcast just about my son. <laughs> I know, right? We should do it about our two sons because my son's just as weird sometimes. Because. Gotcha. I'm so fucking confused, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to roll with it. I don't understand kids. I don't understand mine. Um, it's, <laughs> you don't understand any kids. No, I don't like kids. Then why did you have two? Because I was a whore and I probably have 500. You were a whore. Wait, you are a whore. Before my vasectomy. You're still a whore. 
just to let you ladies out there know that I did have a vasectomy a few years ago, so we can't have that problem anymore. Let's not talk about his black nuts. <laughs> My God, I will tell that story. <laughs> we don't have time right now, but okay. <laughs> All right, fine. <clears throat> Anywho, nearly a month after Cosden's murder, Sante and Kenny left Los Angeles. They had heard about a widowed socialite named Irene Silverman who owned a fancy brownstone in New York City. They learned that the 82-year-old retired ballerina, who was the widow of multimillionaire mortgage broker Sam Silverman, was renting out apartments in her lavish home on East 65th Street. Are you ballerining it? Yes. I'm being a ballerina in my ducky pajamas. Their plan was to do away with Irene Silverman, take over the $7 million estate, sell it, and pocket the money. Kenny moved into one of the apartments under the alias Manny Guren, a Palm Springs businessman. Silverman was dining in her vast basement kitchen with two, her two friends, Elva Shekreli, S-H-K-R-E-L-I. That is such an Italian. No, it sounds more Jewish to me. Oh, no, I guess she, I guess she could be right. She could be a Jew. Oh, oh, wait. She's a young Albanian fashion designer. Oh, okay. There you go. And Carol Hansen, her biographer, who it's H-A-N-S-S-E-N, so I'm assuming she's Norwegian or, you know, Danish. Um, she Isn't suddenly Danish a little pastry about that big right there? They're delicious. They are awesome. When, you know, you... Especially if you get the strawberry and cream ones. I miss eating those. I eat them all the time. You are a dick. And donuts. <laughs> Donuts. Don- I miss donuts so much. I love, you know what? We need to go to Voodoo. I don't care if you can have them or not. You should just take me to go to Voodoo because I want a cock and balls and uh, a maple get, bacon ball bar. Um, in, in your line of work, yeah, outside of the studio, I'm pretty sure you get plenty of the cock and balls. So, yeah, I made my, my cousin who's a, in the Navy. <laughs> I took pictures of him eating a Voodoo cock and balls. It was That's so awesome. priceless. That's fucked up, man. Yeah. Well, and he still the- gets he still gets flack for it from his well yeah his crewman he's he wants to go down with the seamen yeah <laughs> every once in a while pops up on his memories on Facebook and all of his all of his crewmen go hey Kyle and I was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um let's see here so she suddenly pointed to a closed circuit monitor one of several that she had around the house. And one of her tenants had just entered, and as he'd done every day since moving in three weeks earlier, he averted his face from the camera in the foyer. Okay? By now, Silverman had become deeply suspicious of this tenant. He had shown up on June 14th, asking to rent an apartment. A handsome, well-dressed, articulate young man with a beautiful smile. He said he was a Palm Springs businessman by the name of Manny Guerin. Silverman's name had been given to him, he said, by an insurance broker in Florida and, friends of Silverman say, by Paul Vacari, the son of Silverman's longtime butcher. Uh, The young man had no references and no identification, but he promised that he would get those to her the next day. Silverman, who friends say, checked her tenant's references thoroughly, had hesitated. But he pulled out $6,000 in cash, and she showed him to an apartment 1B, which was near the apartment that she used as her office and occasionally her bedroom. See, man, I fucking told you, man, money talks, bullshit walks. Yeah. Well, Duchin, for one, surmises that Cash could have been the lure, the daughter of a seamstress. Silverman had been raised in poverty herself and had worked hard for a living in Radio City Music Hall's Corps de Ballet. 
before she married into wealth. So she too knew what it was like to be poor. Um, Guerin did not produce his references the next day. According to law enforcement officials, he also refused to allow Silverman's maids to enter his apartment. He had strange visitors, a young man and an older woman who, like him, averted their faces from the security camera at the entryway. Appalled that she had allowed him into her home, she asked him. To, Silverman asked him to leave a week after he had arrived. When he did not, she cut off the phone service to 1B and instructed her business manager, Jeff, oh my God, I hope his name is Feig, F-E-I-G, or because I don't want to pronounce a Feig. <laughs> to All begin, right, so tell me more about Jeff the Feig. Yeah. To begin eviction proceedings. She did not, however, call the police, a source says. Silverman was a confident woman, tough as nails, says her friend Ronald Greeley, director of Columbia University's Oral History Research Office. I got oral history. And then another guy by the name of James Shenton says that she was determined to get him out. There was no doubt about that. Um, he was also a professor, a professor emeritus of history, also at Columbia. Um, but she was equally determined not to refund the $6,000. She was certainly not going to be cheated. She was not expected to be. She also did not expect to be murdered. Silverman's worried dinner guest left her house reluctantly at about 1230 a.m. on July 5th. In the morning at around 11, one of Silverman's maids, the only servant at work that day, saw Silverman outside her office in her dressing gown and slippers. Silverman asked her to walk the dog around the roof garden and then do so several errands. When the maid returned late that afternoon, the house was empty and there was no sign of Silverman. Concerned, she called Fee, who phoned the police. That's not his name. I know. But... That evening, police detectives searched the entire house. According to a source close to the investigation, police found no obvious signs of struggle and no obvious traces of blood. The next day, the police stepped up their investigation. They began questioning Silverman's current and former employees, her tenants, and her friends, and they also ran a name check on Guerin, who had disappeared. Nearly two days went by before they learned that Manny Guerin did not exist. The name was an alias used by 23-year-old Kenneth Kimes. Kenny Kimes had been arrested with his 64-year-old mother, Sante, in front of the New York Hilton on 6th Avenue at 54th Street at around 7 p.m. on July 5th for stealing a Lincoln Town car from a dealer in Cedar City, Utah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. A New York City detective watching TV news on report on Silverman's disappearance realized that Manny was, in fact, Kenny Kimes. Within hours, the police figured out that the mother and son they had in custody were two of the most wanted criminals in the country at that time. Jesus yeah, Christ. for instance, the FBI had been tracking them for several months already. The police in Florida had been investigating them for check fraud and auto theft. The police in Nevada were after them for suspected arson and insurance fraud. The L.A. Police Department wanted them for questioning for the murder of David Kazan, who had been shot in the head. You know, probably when he fell into the dumpster. Uh, yes, people fall on bullets. With a twenty-two caliber handgun. Fall on a bullet. Yeah. He just fell on the bullet. Exactly. It wasn't discharged or anything. He just fell. He fell and it hit like a rock or something. It's a rimfire bullet. He shot himself. Okay. <laughs> now, the police in the Bahamas had also been looking for them in connection with the disappearance of a banker who was been missing since 1996 when he was last seen having dinner with Sante in a Nassau restaurant. Now, this caused a tabloid frenzy. Sante made sure she stayed in the spotlight by going on 60 Minutes with Kenny to allege 
that they were framed, and this was a terrible miscarriage of justice. Many yeah, she's wanted more than Elvis was. Holy shit! I know. Man. No shit, yo. If you don't know who Elvis Presley was, fuck Jesus, look, just look that shit up. If you don't know who Elvis was, what rock and cave have you been living under? No kidding. Because even no, this new generation knows who Elvis was. Um, many viewers were disturbed by how touchy feely the pair was with each other and sparked rumors of an incestuous affair between Sante and Kenny maids at Silverman's home mentioned seeing Kenny sneak an older brunette woman into his room at night. And after observing through the people, okay, these maids actually went up to the people and said that the two were in fact sharing a bed naked. Juanita, you need to see this. Look to the people. With a stick. <laughs> With a stick. <laughs> As I went on trial. He's giving her the jalapeno. <laughs> on a <his> stick. <laughs> As they went on trial in February 2000, Sante and Kenny held hands, whispered, in e- whispered to each other, and passed notes until an outburst the judge ordered them to stop. This case was unusual because they had no body as evidence. But the authorities found 17 notebooks detailing the prosecution detailing what the prosecution argued contained a detailed list of items required to murder Irene Silverman and transfer her $7 million home to Sante. And the notes were written by both Sante and Kenny. In May of 2000, they were both convicted of secondary murder and sentenced to 120 years each. Two months later, they appeared on Larry King Live to once again make claims of a frame job. They made headlines again in October of 2000 when during an interview on Court TV, Kenny held one of the produced producers hostage for four hours threatening to stab her in the neck with a pen yeah because that doesn't point out being fucking guilty as shit yeah at all not That's at perfectly, all perfectly normal there ken meister yeah uh between that happening in june of 2000 they were both extradited to california for the murder trial of david kasdan um it was during this trial that kenny told the la jury that his mother zapped silverman with a 3000 volt stun gun then instructed him to quote do it he did as sante instructed strangled the 4 foot 11 silverman and stuffed her small frame into garbage bags that into a duffel bag then into the trunk of their stolen car they drove through the holland tunnel to new jersey where kenny heaped the corpse into a dumpster somewhere in hoboken Hoboken. <laughs> they were again convicted, this time for the murder of David Kasdan. Now, Sante Kimes died in her cell at the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility in New York on May 19, 2014, at 79 years old, having only served a little over 10 years for a 120-year sentence. Kenny Kimes is serving life at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego, California. California. With the governor. The yeah. former governor. The former governor. <laughs> but yeah, so I believe, now this is my theory. I believe that she had basically <sighs> Stockholm syndrome, Tim. Yeah, no, totally, man. You know, controlled him with sex and violence. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. I can see that now. I mean, seriously. Because he was very outgoing and shit before she got out of prison. So. Well, given, okay, so I don't agree with the maids looking through people. I don't going, either, but. Going, Juanita, grab Sancho. We need to see these. Anything makes me like not want to stay in a hotel ever again. But hey, whatever. But <laughs> if if you got credible witnesses going, hey, man, he was in there and he's buck-ass naked with his mom in the same bed. That's, yeah. <laughs> 
There's only there, there's only one thing that people do when they're naked in bed together. Uh, I sleep naked sometimes. With your mom? No. Okay. Nor with my son. Oh, I was gonna say with your son. No. No. Why? Why? Okay. Here's the question. Why don't you do that? Because no. Well, because a. No, it's, it's, I'm serious. No, no, because. Sometimes when I sleep naked with somebody, you know, things might happen in the middle of the night that might be pleasurable. Okay, you so need to go to the therapy. <laughs> Why? Because the right answer would have been because it's fucking inappropriate. I said when I sleep with other people naked, things might happen. I said, why Why wouldn't you do it? Because it's inappropriate. You know, we don't sleep with our kids naked at right. any age. Well, okay, I was getting at because... If I sleep naked with people, inappropriate things might happen. Therefore, that's why I don't sleep naked with my son, is what I was getting at. Too late. You've already grossed me out. <laughs> Weird shit's happening over there at your house. No, I've never slept naked with my no, son. No, but because um, it, it's fucking inappropriate. Mm-hmm. You don't sleep, and it doesn't matter the gender of your child, you know. Yeah. Even if it's like two, you know, like two females, you don't sleep buck naked with each other. No. It's just, it's not right. So, if, if he's smuggling mommy in... <laughs> Yeah. And they're both buck naked. There's only one thing that people do when they're buck naked in bed together. Yeah. And it isn't necessarily sleeping. There's some fucking going on. Like, for real. For real? So, yeah, I I, I agree. I think this was... uh, This is so complicated. But then if she was... I mean, if she was... In a, if her brother was inappropriate with her when she was little, Ah, she wouldn't have known much different. Exactly. It, it perpetuates the cycle. Yeah. Because, okay, so certain things happen when a, when a child is um, sexually abused, especially females, when they're younger. Either they're, for most of the time, I'm trying to remember way back from doing a study on this one uh, in school, but uh, it, it causes certain sexual side effects. Yeah. So some women become like hyper sexual, uh, and, and guys do too. Like hyper, hyper, hyper sexual, you know, and then some are like, no, don't touch me. Yeah. Because just no. So learning that, I bet you she learned some of the control factors from her brother, Kareem. Oh, yeah. And knew that. Because if he had a temper. Oh, yeah. Well, that and knowing that she could use sex with, uh, to get these guys to get money. Oh, Totally. Why not use it to control Kenny? Because obviously her moral compass is really askew. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if she also seduced Ed Chambers. You know, the yeah, rich family that adopted her. Yeah, he, she, she, she may have made an attempt at that. And, you know, I would like to think that he was... Had some scruples? Yeah, and went, um, look here, little fucking brown girl. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you ain't peeing in my slippery machine. <laughs> You like that one? No. He's over there laughing. No. Yeah, so... No, let's, no, let's I, I totally see her using sex as a control mechanism. Right, and a lot of women do. Not so much guys. I'm going to pick on you women for a minute. Women tend to use sex as a means of control. Okay. Tell me you haven't heard this a million times. Well, you better do that, or you ain't getting none of this tonight. Type of a type of a. Discussion. Oh yeah, I have heard that. Yeah, it doesn't work for guys. Like seriously. Yeah, and women don't ever threaten with the silent treatment. They want that. Like, <laughs> if, if I looked at my special lady and I went, I went like this. I went, hey, you better do what I tell you, or you're not getting any of this tonight. She would. Well, actually, no, she probably would. 
Um, that, so she's not a good example. If you any, are not all that, well, no, but because fucking high sex drive. So no, there's nothing like she'd be like, okay, I'll like murder your family. It's not a problem. Um, because damn. Um, but um, if any other chick in my life, if I would have said, hey, look, you're gonna, we're gonna do this, or you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get any dick, they'd be like, okay. <laughs> What? You, you're going to threaten me with that? We'll see who lasts longest. No, it's cool. Because, and then every chick has that dick desert story where, dude, I've gone without sex for like 8,412 years, okay? What's the longest you've gone? I'm like looking at my fucking phone or my watch when I was wearing a watch. I don't know, like, oh, God damn, an hour and a half, son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll see who lasts first. Who's going to crack first? I'm like, well, fuck, I'm screwed now. 13 years. <laughs> that was actually by choice for most of it. I can't even fucking fathom. Uh, a, a, a good friend of mine uh, that that you know as well went like for years and years and years. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And it yeah. literally broke my heart. I was like, I don't even. I I can't. Like I can't even imagine that. That's no, just, you told me you go. That was the saddest story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it, it still is. <laughs> it's still fuck. No, but I did by choice, you know, because I didn't want the revolving door of men coming in and out of my son's no, life. And, which makes sense. But, you know, I think women generally have more fortitude for sustaining or yeah. being abstinent than what most guys do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's also on a social level, too, because these guys are taught that we should be having a lot of sex and that, you know. Yeah, because it's a, like a prowess thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, oftentimes I find that most women will use sex as a form of control. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's, it's not out of the wheelhouse of Santi here to go, okay, I know how to control men. Let's take Kenny out of the picture for right now. Yeah. Because this has worked with me because Kareem, my brother did the same to me. So then I did that to husband one, two, and three, and it worked. Yeah. So I have a proven track record that this works. Yeah. And who's to say she didn't have some boyfriends on the side that it also worked with? True. So now you get Kenny. You get him right when he's coming into puberty. You know, he's in his mid-teens type of a thing. And maybe you play a few little special game games with him. And you kind of nurture that. It's kind of like that. It's a sick fucking reward is what it is. Totally. Just to gain that control. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not totally unreasonable. I I can see that happening. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too. So, but yeah, so that's Sante and Kenny Kimes. Kind of disgusting, huh? Yeah, uh, totally, man. Because like fucking like seriously, I I love my kids, but we have talked about some weird ass different. Like groups and couples and shit like that, but nothing to this extent. No, yet. no, this is some <laughs> this is some incestuous man. shit. Yeah, no, that's. But you're gonna like my Thursday though. I'm just Sweet. saying. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on me- that's on Medium, wherever you get your blogs from. Just type in at Brutal Nation. We'll pop right up. Get all the information without putting up with even half of my bullshit. 
<laughs> I hope they make it funny. This show's copyright 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. We look forward to hearing from y'all. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>